The opinions and views expressed in the OC show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. afternoon, Orange County. It's time for the greatest radio show in Orange County. That's right. It's the OC Show with your host, Cameron Jackson, right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And ladies and gentlemen, I have been very excited about this interview today for quite some time. I've had it posted for like the last month and a half on my blog, theocshow.net. You can listen to the show today either via the airwaves or streaming live on the web. Just go to www.kuci.org, click in the upper right-hand corner, and you will get streaming audio. Uh, My my guest today is uh, the sheriff of Orange County. Sandra Hutchins. Sandra, welcome to the show. Thank you, Cameron. It's good to be here. It is good to have you here. I am uh, very pleased. You know, we talked about this briefly. I tried to have Sheriff Corona on during his last campaign cycle in 06, and he refused. So it's yes. very nice and very, uh, <laughs> it's a breath of fresh air to finally have the sheriff sitting in front of me. Well, I'm happy to be here with you. Outstanding. You know, um, there's a lot of information about you out there right now. Um, you Google your name, and LA Times did several articles on you. Uh, the Orange County Register did several articles on you about where you've been, where you've come from. So I don't want to get too far into your bio, but I would like you to kind of give the listeners a brief bio of who you are, where you came from, and what you're all about. Well, I'm, I'm one of those rare native Californians. Um, I uh, was born in Monterey Park and raised primarily in Long Beach. Uh, I went to work for the Orange County Sheriff's Department about the 30 or over 30 years ago and uh, started as a secretary with the department and became a deputy. Orange County or LA? I'm sorry, LA County. That's See, okay. I'm already, you already have my Orange heart's County. already with Orange County, That's right. so but, uh, Los Angeles County. Mm-hmm. And um, I retired uh, more than about a year and a half ago from Los Angeles County as a division chief in charge of the Office of Homeland Security. I worked for three sheriffs there, and uh, I, uh, I, had, uh, I was enjoying retirement, but decided to come out and take this challenge on. And uh, it's been kind of a whirlwind experience for you, I would imagine. It has. Uh, it's been a whirlwind experience, but I'll tell you, um, I take it a day at a time, really. And um, I have good people working for me. I have a good department. Um, there's, we've got some work to do in the department, but I'm confident we're going to make it the premier agency it needs to be. And that's a great segue to my next question. (laughs) Um, You know, we all identify things that are important, and I was wondering if you could give the listeners your top five priorities for the department at this time. Well, um, you know, certainly I I was ethics, our our ethics in the department, our public trust um, in terms of areas on the department. um, We have um, uh, issues in the jail that were identified in the Chamberlain uh, murder and the subsequent grand jury investigation. Um, I think that um, we have areas uh, that we can improve upon throughout the department, so I'm really doing a complete audit of the department. 
So I, I really don't think I could narrow it to five, but certainly at the top of the list for me uh, is ethics and uh, leadership and restoring the public trust. Yeah, you know, um, myself, I'm a private investigator in my real life, mm -hmm. and I have many clients who are um, in jail because I work with private attorneys and I investigate their, their right. cases. My wife is also a public defender, alternate public defender. And one of the things that both my wife and I have heard from our clients over the years, and my wife has heard this from other coworkers, is that there are, um, and I, you, I hate to go down this path, but let's just do it. They, there are things that happen in the jail to our clients that don't seem right. And the either use of force issues or mm -hmm. with the shot callers, right? And and it's I've heard it enough now that I don't discount it as oh it's just them complaining about what's happening to them in in the whole process of being in the in the judicial system. It, it's it seems to be a pattern. What are you doing to try to weed that behavior out by the deputies? Yeah, right. Um, you know, here's here's the deal. The way I look at it is, um, you know, a lot of people would look at the jail assignment as um, an as a non-desirable assignment, uh, an assignment that's not important. I don't look at it that way. I think that uh, you have to do a good job in the jail just like when you work the streets. And you have a responsibility to the inmates who are in custody. We have a, a responsibility to the public to make sure that those inmates are secure and do not escape from us. We have a responsibility to the inmates to provide them with the basic necessities, uh, medical care, mental health, uh, programming. Uh, the public doesn't always like to hear that, but that, you know, there's Title 15, uh, is, it governs, it's, it's a state code that governs uh, what we do to the inmates in custody and how we treat them. Um, so I'm very uh, concerned about that. So the message that I'm sending to the deputies is that the jail is a very important place for you to work. You know, for a lot of sheriff's departments, it's the only thing they do. Um, and we do a lot of other things, but one of the most important things we do is jailing inmates. So um, you can, we're not there to uh, try them. We're not there to determine their guilt or innocence. Um, we're not there to judge them. Uh, we're just there to make sure that there's not inmate on inmate assaults, staff on uh, inmate on staff assaults, uh, improper use of force. Uh, that is not going to be tolerated. So what I'm, what am I doing? Uh, I started this jail audit. Um, this independent firm, who is uh, they are formerly with the Board of Corrections, uh, so they have a lot of experience in the regulations that govern our jails, uh, and so they are looking at everything in all five of our, our of our jail facilities. Everything from staffing, medical care, mental health care, um, use of force. Um, how we treat inmates, you know, how we deal with the inmates. So I'm very concerned uh, about that. I, I know it's been, I've said many times, and listeners have probably already heard this, but when I read the grand jury report, I was shocked. I was shocked to hear that, uh, that a deputy would use shot callers to run a housing area. That's not the way, um, you know, I was taught. Certainly it's unacceptable to do that and it's against the law yeah and, and like I in, you know you bring that up I was I, I wasn't shocked to read it because I had heard mm -hmm. about it for so long so it's nice mm -hmm. to hear that something is being done about that recently too it came out in the paper that the use of tasers on um, restrained individuals is going to be curtailed a bit can you talk about that that's right yes um, we did put into place a uh, policy that uh, that 
prohibits the use of a taser on a handcuffed prisoner. The thought process being that the if the prisoner's handcuffed, they shouldn't be a problem. Now, there may be an extraordinary circumstance where a taser would have to be used, but certainly that would be an exception. Yeah, I was a cop down in San Diego, and I can I can remember on two occasions having to put somebody in maximum restraints, what people might refer to as the hog tie. Right. But I never had a situation where I would need to taser a handcuffed individual. Right, and as you you probably know, there was life before tasers. We didn't have tasers. Yes, there a was, lot of there those was, years. There, was, there was a lot of bruised and, and uh, cut up knuckles before That's tasers. Right. Yeah, and there's a place for the taser. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, there's no. certainly there's certainly a place for the taser, um, but you know, in in a custody environment, a lot of times we can use time to our advantage. You know, Absolutely. if the person is not assaulting someone, if we can contain them, you know, if they're not going to come out of their cell at that time. We can wait and deal with them. You know, we, we don't have to, you know, move somebody at that moment necessarily. But um, so there's a lot of other things we can do, and time is on our side. You know, one of the questions that I like to pose um, to police management when I get them in here and am able to talk to them is how do you balance um, the knee-jerk reaction versus uh, to do something versus letting things kind of pan out and settle down and let me give you an example for instance a lot of times i see i saw this down at san diego and i've read it in the paper and i've seen it like at lapd and whatnot where something bad will happen for instance the guy who was um uh, videotape being beaten and they had this the uh, metal flashlights in la mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they had this huge okay we're not going to have any more flashlights we're right. going to design our own flashlight and they have these knee-jerk reactions to an incident that if they just wait and kind of gave it some time, that would mellow out. Those knee-jerk reactions kind of cascade and um, kill morale and whatnot down mm. the line and with, with the deputies or with the um, officers. And how do you manage so that you don't go overboard in policy but still do the right thing and make sure that policy is balanced? Well, I mean, I think you, I, th- I think you said do you it. Do you understand the question? I do, yeah. I, I, and I think you, you use the term knee-jerk, and I think that's a good uh, description. I'm not speaking specifically of the LA incident. Right, I don't right. know if there were other things that may have led up to that decision, but I can tell you, um, my style is to to look at it first. You know, let's look at it now. I don't want to committee it to death, you know, right. and go on and on and on because that's a problem too. But let's take a look at it. Let's not react to the media report. Um, let's 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 look at it and and see if this is a, a direction we want to go, and let's have everybody weigh in on it. You know the training in, in terms of the flashlight. You know have training weigh in on it. Um, you know um, all the fe- all the people that have a say so the the officers themselves. You know let's weigh in on it and see what the issues are and what the risks are. Um, but but I like to study an issue before making a decision, and I don't allow I don't allow the media reports to dictate. To me, you know what policy I follow that day. I might be changing policy every day if I did that. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you know, and there's some. You know, San Diego was guilty of that. San Diego let the, the the media dictate them, and I think to some extent, LA does that as well. And I think that's dangerous. I don't think that that's the right way to do it. So mm-hmm. I'm pleased to hear that. Let's talk about um, the PSRs because that's also something that's been in the in the current news topic. Recently. Yes, yes. Um, and explain to the public what the PSRs were. And um, <laughs> kind of how it, I mean, it's kind of comical how what it was and how it came about. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's unfortunate and how it came about because it really got the program off to a to a false start and now uh, created this negative perception of what has really evolved to an excellent program. Uh, the confusion started because um, 
the former administration wanted to make uh, a reserve contingent, but not follow the post standards and peace officer standards and training uh, governs uh, what a peace officer is, uh, who a peace officer is, and who a reserve is, and what the training requirements are. And quite frankly, um, the administration tried to create this reserve classification that, that does not exist. Uh, and so now uh, what we have are volunteers. They're not reserves, they're volunteers. And so that created confusion in their mind. These are really good people, by the way. Uh, they provide a lot of expertise uh, to the department. And, uh, but, but they were led to believe that they, they actually signed an oath of office. They took firearms training. They took other training in preparation to become reserves. Again, could not become reserves because they didn't meet post standards. Uh, so in their minds, they felt like they were a reserve officer. And they had a badge that was somewhat similar. They were given a badge. Um, they were given originally given a badge that was identical to the badges that our deputy sheriffs carry. And then that it was determined, well, they can't have that badge, and that was pulled by the former administration. That's where we came up with um, the 40 missing badges. And the 40, and these were people who had basically donated to Michael Corona's campaign. You know, I don't know that. I know that that's what Mr. Heidel is saying. Um, I've seen the same reports in the paper, but I don't have any knowledge of that. No, none of the investigators have talked to me, um, you know, about that. But I, I've heard the same reports. But I, I'm not aware that anybody in the program has done that. Um, it, certainly, I uh, believe that if that did happen, um, I, I, w I wouldn't blame the, the person that was in the PSR program. I would, I would blame the administration for even, even considering that. Now, so obviously what you're saying is that that type of behavior, uh, donations, if they were occurring for badges, is not going to occur with your administration. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I took the badges back. I, I said, I, I, because based on the Attorney General opinion, the California Attorney General came out with an opinion about uh, badges. And really, the, the portion that I uh, have relied upon in my decision to pull the badges was if it looks like a badge, if a reasonable person would think it is a badge and it is misused, that, that the Sheriff's Department would be held liable and the county would be held liable. So it's very clear to me that this is this is not an appropriate um, issuance of a badge. Now you've since so has, are the PSRs disbanded at this point? No, the PSRs are not, and thank you for asking that. Um, they have felt so maligned during this process, and again, it is through no fault of their own. This controversy has to do with something that was given to them that should not have been given to them. Um, they it's not disbanded. It's a very important program. I I have met with the PSRs uh, personally and explain my decision. It's not a matter of whether I trust them or not. I trust them implicitly. Uh, they're good people. They provide a lot of service to us. So I want to maintain the program, um, but I but it but I want to rehabilitate it. You know, in in the eyes of the public. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Um, if you're just now joining uh, me, my guest today is the sheriff of Orange County, Sandra Hutchins. Um, Sarah, uh, Sandra. The, the other big thing that's in the news right now is this DNA lab fight that's going on between the DA's office and the sheriff's department. Right. And I'd like you to discuss uh, or explain to the listener what's going on. Where, how has this occurred? How has this evolved? And um, where do you think it's going to go? 
Yeah, you know, I feel like I came in at the middle of the movie yeah, because I wasn't right. there before. <laughs> and um, so I started to investigate as soon as I got in because I realized that there was this disagreement um, between the DA's office and ours and um, was a little surprised uh, by it. You know, I, uh, I think that there are some issues that uh, have occurred in the past, some personality issues um, that should not weigh in on the decision-making of where this uh, DNA belongs. Um, I, I think that the district attorney has an excellent idea in terms of, um, we call it triaging. Uh, his deputy DAs are currently are doing a pilot program with Santa Ana and Anaheim where they will go out uh, and work with the investigators in those agencies and determine, you know, what cases need to be submitted for analysis and what don't, uh, which ones do not. And so um, I think that that's, that's very good because then we focus on the cases that need the DNA analysis. And it cuts down and it cuts down on the turnaround time. That part of it I think is a great idea. Uh, what I don't think is a great idea is to have two different labs. And I think that, uh, you know, our crime lab has been nationally rec- internationally recognized. It's a very excellent crime lab with, with a great reputation throughout the nation and th- certainly throughout the state. And so I, I think that the science, uh, uh, the DNA analysis should, should remain in the crime lab. And certainly um, I will respect whatever decision is made, but I'm looking at it from a business standpoint, not a personal standpoint. Well, and from a business standpoint, does it not seem that the DA should not have their own DNA? I mean, it seems to me to be a conflict of interest for the DA's office to have their own DNA lab. I mean, who better than to alter or uh, change evidence once it's in their hands? And similarly, too, uh, could the argument be made that how can the um, sheriff's department process their own DNA for their cases? Mm -hmm. Outside agencies, fine, no big deal, but for their own. Right. Well, you know, again, um, you know, I think that that is carefully protected. You know, we have the, the scientists doing that analysis uh, for us. And um, I, I don't we haven't had any issues uh, in the past that I'm aware of with that. Um, I, th- I guess the argument can be made on both sides just as you've made it. Um, but I think that, um, you know, we rely on, on the actual person who is looking at the DNA. And that is not a law enforcement person, per se. Um, in my opinion, uh, when you're, and I, I'm not going to question credibility on the well, on the district attorney uh, at all. Um, you know, I I, I I don't think that that's an issue uh, uh, for us. Do you, what kind of accreditation does the your lab go through so that that shows that hey we run a we run a clean ship here? Well, they go through a state accreditation, and we just uh, we volunteered to participate in in an international accreditation program, uh, totally voluntary. And, uh, and, and passed that uh, just recently. So we're very proud of that. I'm very proud of the work um, that our, our director, Dean Gialamas, does over there. What are your thoughts on, uh, because I've heard some rumblings about separating the co- uh, coroner's office from the sheriff's office. Right. What are, what are some of your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that the, the, the current model works and more, uh, more sheriff's departments in the state follow the model that we are following currently with the sheriff coroner. Um, I think that we've resolved the, you know, conflict of interest. The conflict of interest comes in uh, when we have a death that was caused by an action of law enforcement, such as an in-custody death or a shooting, you know, that a deputy got involved in on the street. So the issue is, well, if I'm signing off as the sheriff coroner on that death, on the cause of that death, that could be perceived as a conflict, and I would agree with that. But we've worked up a protocol 
uh, with the district attorney's office where his office would handle that investigation and an independent forensic pathologist would be is hired uh, at that point. So uh, that's resolved the, the conflict of interest. The issue came up again because in the Chamberlain matter, the protocol was not followed. And that would not occur uh, while I am sheriff. We will follow the protocol. And so um, it, it sounds to me that your, your leadership style is one to follow the protocol, follow the law. Let's let, the, let's let that be our guidance. Well, it is. I mean, it, it gets to be real basic, doesn't it, when you follow the law uh, it, it seems and, to. and follow the intent of the law. Yes. And uh, it makes my decision-making pretty easy when I do that. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, if you're just joining us, uh, my guest today is the Sheriff of Orange County, Sandra Sandra Hutchins. Um, we'll go ahead and we'll take a quick break here, and when we get back, uh, we'll, we'll dive right into more questions. Uh, this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You're listening to The O.C. Show. Welcome back, Orange County. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am your host, Cameron Jackson. This is The O.C. Show. Coming up next week on The O.C. Show, you will not want to miss this interview. It's with Todd Gallinger. He is running for Irvine City Council. So uh, that will be an interesting interview. Trust me, it will be very interesting. Uh, My guest today in studio is the Sheriff of Orange County, Sandra Hutchins. And I'm very pleased to have her in studio with me. She's been in here for the first half hour or so. Sandra, welcome. Thank you. Um, you know, I want to get into some of the more, uh, one of the things this program likes to do is to talk about the politics uh, of Orange County. Right. And there isn't uh, any more of a political position that I can think of other than maybe the DA's office and the supervisors than the sheriff. That's right. And um, in 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 a normal world, you would have been elected, but we had our little uh, episode with Mike Corona, and so here you are. Right. Um, and I want to, there was some talk initially, some criticism in the media about your relationship with Ron Cedillos. Yes. And I want to frame the question from uh, kind of a battered women's syndrome uh, point of view. And that is that Orange County has is a battered woman right now in many ways. Um, and it might be a, a horrible way to analogize this, but uh, we were lied to and manipulated by Mike Corona for nine years. And everybody around him was either had issues of their own uh, legally or criminally. And the donors that were behind him had issues as well. And one of his donors was Ron Cedillos. And so tell the listeners how you, what your interaction is with Ron Cedillos. And if you can put at least myself at ease and the listeners at ease about how you're going to do business when it comes to donors and when it comes to dealing with these political circles in Orange County, because many of these political circles are unsavory, unfortunately, and you're kind of thrust into that now and you have to wade your way around it. Right. Well, I'll tell you how I met Ron Cedillos. Uh, when I initially applied to the search firm, uh, I didn't tell anybody that I had applied other than my husband because you want to see how you're going to come out in that process. So um, I, a friend of mine uh, 
who I've known for a number of years, uh, knew Ron Sadios. When he found out that uh, I had applied, he uh, volunteered to introduce me to Ron. I did not know Ron before that time. Met with him um, and uh, had a conversation. And Ron, I would, uh, I know a big issue was was made of this. So the day I was uh, appointed, there was a picture in the register right, with Ron right. Cedillo's hands on my shoulder. Um, but if you looked in the audience, there were a lot of people there that were supporters of mine. And what I have said, and, and what is in fact the case, is that Ron Cedillo's, uh is one of many supporters who came up front. Uh, I have not accepted any money from anybody. Um, and so um, I uh, am not really involved, uh, and Ron is not involved with me uh, at this point. Uh, so uh, I, and, and how I'm going to handle this in the future, uh, in terms of, um, you know, I, I will follow the law just like I've talked about what I will do um, uh, in, in terms of what I do on the department. The same as on the campaign side. I'm very sensitive to that. Um, I do have a campaign structure in, in place, and I have people advising me about that. And, uh, you know, I'm new, a new uh, politician, if you will. And so I'm very careful um, about how I do that. I, I will never ask anybody, I, I will not accept any money from anybody on the department, number one, much less solicit funding. And number two, um, I'm not going to do anything in exchange for the money. And here's, here's why. Besides the fact that it's unethical and unlawful, Unlawful. I would like to be the sheriff of Orange County. I'd like to get elected, but I don't want it that bad that I'm going to do something to taint the department or myself. I'll go back to retirement. I, what I hope will happen is that the citizens of Orange County will decide what kind of sheriff they want. And uh, when I have done things like take badges away and uh, merely said that I was going to look at the CCWs out there, it created quite a stir in the community, as you might imagine. Uh, and I've had people say to me, if you do X, well, you know you're not going to get supported, um, or you may not get supported. Well, I don't take well to veiled threats, and I'm not going to respond to that. I'm going to do what I think is right, and I hope that the, that the voters will vote for me as sheriff, but uh, I'm not going to be guided by special interests. Um, and on the political side, wh who... Who do you have running your? I mean, you said you said you set up a campaign. Who do you have running that campaign at this point? Dave Gilliard. And his background is. Um, he's run a n number of campaigns in the county, um, and um, uh, Mimi Walters uh, among and Diane Harkey and Pat uh, Bates. Uh, he has a good uh, track record, uh, and so he is involved. Um, and I, I haven't really, other than to, you know, hire him, I haven't done anything beyond that at this point. Yeah, because— It's a little early, yeah. Is, is it ever early enough, Well, it, and mean, I'm told it's a very short time period, uh, time frame, but I'd like to establish somewhat of a record before I go out and try and raise money. <laughs> and what's, what's your relationship with the supervisors been like at this point? It's been good. I meet with them about, uh, about once a week, and— um, you know, I try and get over there and uh, discuss what I'm doing to keep them informed. So I would say it's it's good. How do you respond to those accusations that were made by people like Stephen Greenhut at the Register and uh, Matt Cunningham Jubal over at OC Blog Red County? Right. Uh, that your appointment was gender based. Well, I, you know, I find it kind of amusing. Uh, a number of people around me when those articles were coming out were getting pretty. Uh, excited about it, you know, and I said, yeah, I said, just, it, it'll pass, and it has. 
Um, I, I don't think the same question would have been asked had it gone the other way. Um, you know, it would not be would not be considered a gender uh, for, for a male to get appointed there. Um, so I, it's interesting that the question would still be asked. I did not take that personally because uh, I'm there based on my qualifications. I would hope, I would hope, and I believe that I was selected because of my qualifications. And you touched on this question just a second ago, and I, I failed to ask it in the first round, but the CCWs, that was, uh, that was a hotbed issue because the prior administration, Mike Corona, had said he was going to give a CCW to anyone that wanted one. Right. That uh, essentially wasn't a crook. Um, how have you changed that? Well, again, uh, I go back, I I'm, sound like a broken record, but I'm following the intent of the law. Uh, you know uh, that in the state of California, uh, carrying a concealed weapon is against the law. The section of the penal code that allows a, a police chief or a sheriff to issue a CCW was designed as an exception to that, not a way around it. Um, there are must issue and uh, or shall issue or you know states, uh, this is not a shall issue state. Um, I have a lot of people that have gotten very excited about that and they're kind of wrapping this into a second amendment issue and it's not a second amendment issue in my view. Uh, there's no prohibition uh, from you carrying a gun in your place of business or your home. And what I'm talking about is the way the law is structured in California. So the folks that are excited about this, I think they should put that energy into the state legislature and maybe get the law changed. What about um, people that put themselves in harm's way, like bail bondsmen or private investigators that are doing mm-hmm. um, protection details, uh, those types of things. Are those people still going to be looked at as being eligible for a CCW? It depends on, we're going to look at it on a case-by-case basis, but if anybody can uh, articulate a, a threat to their personal safety based on their, their profession um, or based on a specific uh, threat to them, uh, absolutely, I would encourage those folks to apply. Um, getting back to the kind of political uh, structure here in Orange County, um, what are you doing now to protect yourself, your flanks, so to speak, from the likes of Michael Schroeder and Adam Probolsky and Scott Baugh, three people who didn't really want you there to begin with. They were they were rooting for Paul Walters. You've kind of come into the Orange County scene and upset the balance of power for them. Um, what, what are you doing to kind of protect yourself from those those people who see you as a threat because you, on the surface, and by what you've done so far, seem moral and ethical and lawful? And that might get in the way of some of the things that they would like to see done in this county. Well, you know, I've, I've met Scott uh, and I met Adam. Um, I have not met uh, Mike Schroeder, but, um, you know, I, what am I doing to protect myself? I, you know, I don't know that I have to protect myself. I mean, that's part of the political process. You know, they're entitled to, to their opinion. Um, what, I guess what I would do to, to protect the position um, uh, is to just do the right thing. And, again, you know, I, those uh, three people are not ultimately the people who should decide uh, who the sheriff is. Uh, again, I think that's up to the voters to decide. Are you going to join the OC Central Committee, or have you joined the OC Central Committee? I or? have not. And um, if you might, uh, what, are you registered Republican? Or are you? I'm a it? registered Republican, yes. A lifelong? Yes. Yes? Okay, yes. good. So, you're, well, you've got something going for you here <laughs> in the, the old uh, behind the orange curtain. Um, you know, I, uh, I asked this question. I'm completely biased on this next question. 
um, because he's my friend and I've and I work with him uh, uh, periodically and that's Bill Hunt and he was somebody who uh, I noticed early on in the 06 election he's come in here I've interviewed him several times uh, you know he kind of was left uh, hanging at the end of this whole process um, I know anybody who throws their hat in the ring to run for elected office it's it's an ugly business and yes. and getting beat up is part of that business um, but he really did I mean he was out there and he was saying these things that are true about Mike Corona and for that he was punished severely by Mike Corona he essentially lost his job over that um, what you know he supported you um, after it was shown that the the supervisors weren't going to ha have anything to do with him he got a zero vote on the on the supervisors uh, board um, do you see any place for him in the department in the future do you see any kind of resolution with his current lawsuit uh as far as the county is concerned what are your thoughts on that well i mean i, I can't really comment on on the lawsuit other than to say that there is you know he there he does have a lawsuit against the department right now uh, i met with bill and um i i told him and and as i'll say today i think he showed uh tremendous courage in what he did when he saw something that he thought was wrong and I think he deserves credit for that. It's difficult in a paramilitary organization, as you know, uh, to do that. And uh, again, he stood up for what he thought was was right. Um, and the issue of, you know, again, I will have to wait and see how the legal process uh, shakes out here. But but like I say, right now there is a pending lawsuit. So, no real comment at this point. No, yeah, there's nothing I can I, I can't say anything at this point do because you, it's still ongoing. Do you think though, from a, let's say from a black and white right versus wrong issue, do you think that that, that Bill Hunt was wronged? Uh, the actions of Mike Corona, do you think that that was wrong? That that he should still be whole and ha and be a lieutenant still in the department? Again, I can't right. I can't comment comment on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. What are you going to do? Um, I I've heard that you had a recent uh, selection of promotions. And I hear that um, people within the department are very happy about the promotions that you made. Um, what do you promotion process is something in all departments, not just the Orange County Sheriff's Department, but in department after department in, in California and I'm sure around the nation that are sometimes politically uh, motivated, loyalty motivated. Um, sometimes we just get kind of the dumbing down of the system, and we kind of get the lowest common denominator in there. Right. Uh, and uh, sometimes it's too affirmative action or too gender-based. Um, what are you going to do for your promotional process uh, so that you know you're getting the cream of the crop, um, but that you are adhering to um, making sure that you have a diverse organization? Right. Well, you know, we, <clears throat> we are uh, engaged in uh, looking at the promotional process, uh, particularly for uh, the rank of uh, captain on the department and also lieutenant. Uh, we want to level the playing field, if you will, and not uh, not make this a, a loyalty kind of uh, promotional process. This last uh, promotions, we I promoted some assistant sheriffs, and uh, certainly that was in within my purview as, as the sheriff. Um, and then we promoted some lieutenants to captain. And that, um, that process, uh, we engaged um, all of the assistant sheriffs uh, had a say in that, which had not occurred in the past. It was really, uh, from what I'm told, done somewhat in a vacuum. 
Uh, and so uh, people welcome that as a change, but they're looking for further changes to, to the promotional process. So we do uh, have a committee that's looking at that, and I'm looking for input from, from uh, several ranks in, within the department. Now, what are, you, know, you brought that up on the assistant sheriff, so I'm glad you did. You left Jack Anderson on, the, on your, your head honcho list. Why did right. you leave Jack Anderson there? Well, you know, I thought that um, you know he had stepped up and and uh, w- he had stepped up and and took the reins, and I, I feel that you know he deserved that opportunity. Uh, but you know, all of the assistant sheriffs uh, serve at will, and so um, if anybody in that uh, in that structure does not work out, um, then that can be changed. But uh, I felt that he had he had done a good job uh, in that interim period. Um, when they were looking for a sheriff, and ex- tell the listeners you have you've appointed how many people to your uh, I don't even know how you say what is your upper echelon the kind of <laughs> upper sheriff. echelon uh, yeah what, what, what are they well um, yeah we you have brought in a lot of outside people I brought in two from the outside um, I brought in uh, Mike Hillman uh, who has forty one years of experience with LAPD and I brought in as my under sheriff uh, John Scott uh, who has thirty. Uh, 36 years of experience uh, with Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Uh, I th- it felt I needed to bring in um, an infusion from outside. Uh, when you're coming into an agency, um, I think it's good to have a different perspective. And I brought them in because uh, they are uh, interim. Uh, in that, By that I mean um, I brought one out of retirement, and uh, they're not looking for the long haul here. Right. And I thought that it was important to give the people within the organization an opportunity to rise to those higher ranks um, and to give them something to shoot for. And, um, you know, a lot of the top uh, rank structure of that department is gone. And so we didn't have a lot of extensive experience um, below it. But I, but I felt it important to take a look at that. The prior administration did not do that. And so uh, I certainly wanted to give the people within the department the opportunity. I read... Uh a few weeks ago, where Matt Cunningham from OC Blog, uh, Red County, was sending requests up to your office about audits and how you were going to be doing your audits. And he was very contentious about this issue. And I was wondering, what is the audits? Are you auditing how each department was run? What are the audits that he is discussing? I'm not sure which ones he's talking about. I, I'm doing the jail audit. Yeah, what is, what, when you um, say you're doing a jail audit, what does that mean? Well, I hired uh, some independent consultants who, this is what they do for a living. These are the, there's uh, Kraut and Sida is the name of the group. Um, they are, are both formerly with the Board of Corrections, and uh, they have their own company now. They did a jail audit, and when I say jail audit, they go into the jail and they look at everything that is involved in running a jail and they determine whether or not we are doing things according to the law and according to the California Code, um, and they make recommendations on staffing levels. Those are medical services, those kinds of things. Um, with them, as part of their team, they have former jail managers from five counties, five different counties. These are people who were in law enforcement and ran jails, uh, and so they bring with them extensive experience. They go into the jail, they watch the processing of the inmates. They talk to the individuals who work various assignments within those jail facilities. And that at the end, they come up with recommendations. Are we doing things you know, according to the law? Do we have a good use of force policy? How are we handling inmate complaints? Everything that relates to the running of the jail. So this, will, this is a thorough audit. 
in the end, I will get the results of that audit, and then they will have recommendations for us. All of these changes that you've kind of described over the course of the last 45 minutes or so, um, what do you? What kind of a time frame are you expecting to see, like the jail audit finished, for instance? The jail audit um, will be uh, finished in uh, a, f- a couple of months, two to three months. Uh, I'm not waiting till I get the results of that. They're meeting with me on a regular basis to let me know things of immediate importance. Um, but you know, I'm not just looking at the jail. Obviously, that was a, an area that needed some yeah, where, work. Yeah, where else are you looking? Well, at? I'm looking at everything—the policies and procedures of the department, which are very basic. And we need to take a look at uh, the patrol operations side. Um, everything in the department we are looking at to see where we can improve. How we do our internal investigations. Um, everything. What What are your thoughts on the current? Um kind of promotional process or whatnot when it comes to how long somebody spends in jail? Because right now I'm hearing that the average wait to get from jail into a patrol car is about eight years. Well, uh, that's not... That, is that average or is that good? Is that That's probably about average, but uh, remember we have a number of people uh, who don't want to go to patrol and who are staying in the jail by choice. I was a bit surprised at that, to tell you the truth, because... Um, my experience has been that most, most people, people want to go, out to, go out to patrol, right. and I thought, well, that's going to be, a, I'm going to have a problem there. But quite the reverse is true. There's a number of people who want to spend their career in, in the jail, and, and quite frankly, I don't have enough patrol spots to put everybody in patrol. Do you, um, and so that's, that's probably a good thing, but again, they have to do their job regardless of where they're assigned. Do you, what, what are your thoughts on um, the current state of uh, these outlier cities that you have um, contracts with? Are all those contracts still looking like they're going to stay in place? Are people still satisfied with, with very, the service? Uh, very satisfied. I've met with every city manager in our 12 contract cities, and I did not get one complaint about the service that we provide. They're very happy with the structure and, and how it works. Um, but again, you know, I think we can even improve there where we're getting very good reports. And, you know, uh, as we kind of wind down here, one of the things that I asked about um, in the 06 election, and it's kind of a thing that I'm championing, championing on my own, uh, is um, a system that we had in San Diego, and I believe they have it in L.A. too, but they don't have it here. And it's called Argus in San Diego and Larsis, I believe, in L.A. And it's a system where there's one type of report form. It's standardized for all the cities within the county. They dump all of their crime statistics into one database, and then all of the cities have access to that database. So when you go to L.A. or, excuse me, San Diego County, for instance, you have one report um, standard. Every department does the report the same way. All the checkboxes are the same way. And what's important about that is that all of the cities can look at crime data from each other city and they can track suspect movement and whatnot and there's nothing like that here in orange county well, is, is that even on the radar screen it is and my understanding is it is on the radar screen and we are working um, with the surrounding counties uh and agencies to do just that all right yeah so so that's a good thing yeah <laughs> okay, good. So i know your your plate is full yeah and i i think i agree with you i think that's very important you know criminals don't respect 
border lines of cities. They don't even know where they're at. So it's important for us to be able to share that information. Well, yeah, and we, you know, it's 2008, uh, internet age. That's you right. Think, you would think we would have something like that. Exactly. Um, if you're just joining us, my guest today has been uh, the Orange County Sheriff, Sandra Hutchins. Uh, Sandra, I want to thank you very much for coming in studio today and talking with me. It's, it's a breath of fresh air to have uh, you here uh, considering how the last sheriff wouldn't uh, give me the time of day, so well, I I want I appreciate uh, you having me here, and it's been great talking to you today. Excellent. Um, stay tuned. I'm going to play some music for a few minutes, and uh, then I'll be back on the air. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is the OC Show, and I am your host, Cameron Jackson. I will be right back. And welcome back. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is the OC Show. I am your host, Cameron Jackson. And if you weren't listening before, you're listening now, and that's good. I had the Sheriff of Orange County on, Sandra Hutchins. She was live here in studio. She's uh, left the building at this point, but uh, very pleased to have her on the show. I'm going to make sure that this is podcast for you this evening, so I will be uh, busy uh, like a little bee getting it up and running on my website. That's uh, www.theocshow.net, theocshow.net. You can also get to us by going to KUCI.org. So I uh, can relax now a little bit, let my hair down. Sheriff is gone. Very nice lady. Very nice. Very impressed with her. I uh, like what I hear so far. It sounds like she is moral, legal, and ethical, which is uh, a breath of fresh air for this GD County that uh, loves to do things as corrupt as possible normal. So uh, normally, so uh, I'm very happy that she is the sheriff. It was a one in a million chance, one in a billion chance that she was uh, made sheriff. But hey, what are you going to do? She got it, and we are all better off for it. Uh, I've got a couple things I can talk about real quick here, too, in the last few minutes of the show. Also, real quick, too, I want to note that next week on the show, in studio, again, I will have another interview with Todd uh, Gallinger, or Gallinger, I'm not quite sure how to say his last name. I haven't really spoken to him on the phone yet, but that's okay. Uh, Todd Gallinger is going to be running for the city of Irvine council uh, position, and he will be in here to talk about that uh, run for council. So that'll be interesting. We'll want to uh, listen to that soon-to-be uh, aspiring public servant. Um, you know, one of the things I found out today as I was reading the register is... There's a little bit of a rehabilitation going on for our good friend, Michael Schroeder. And you all know him as the backroom, backstabbing, Machiavellian, uh, political go-to man in this county when you want to get elected. And he is the kingmaker of Orange County. And he really took quite the beating during this last election, uh, well, it wasn't an election cycle at all, but during this last scandal with Mike Corona, the uh, disgraced former sheriff, Mike Corona. And um, he took a beating in the press. In many ways, his position here has taken a beating. He's had a huge amount of losses lately. You remember he uh, he's lost the sheriff now. He lost out with Mitt Romney. He was running Mitt Romney's campaign in California, lost out on that. Um, he lost the fight between Trung Nguyen, or Jung Nguyen, if you want to say it correctly, and Janet Nguyen. Uh, he lost that fight. Janet prevailed on that. Uh, he's had a lot of losses here, and he's taken quite a bit of a beating. And his wife isn't that popular either, Susan Kang Schroeder. Not very popular at all, and um, haven't heard much from them. They've been kind of quiet lately. Well, uh, 
I've always said that the register backs Michael Schroeder's play and will do whatever he wants, and, and here we have it now. If you go to the Total Buzz blog, which is Martin Wiskell's blog over at the register, guess who is their correspondent blogging for them at the Democratic National Convention? Huh. Michael Schroeder. Yes, that's right. Good old Michael Schroeder is blogging for the Orange County Register. Now, if there isn't much more of a nexus that you need, I can't imagine what there is. I mean, it doesn't get any more uh, closely aligned than that. And essentially, I think it's a PR kick for him. Uh, they're trying to make uh, rehabilitate him, make him look a little bit more human, trying to humanize him, show him that he's this witty, fun guy that's out there uh you know, going to make fun of some Democrats and tear down uh, the old Democratic convention as it as it occurs uh, from a Republican's point of view. And what you need to do is remember that it's a smokescreen and they are just trying to pull the wool over your eyes again. And their only reason, the only reason this is occurring is to try and rehabilitate his tattered image. That's what this is. You're going to, after this, I'm sure we're going to see a puff piece done by Martin Wiskell or somebody else at the register about, or probably Frank McIndite, he'll write some glowing comments about how Michael Schroeder was at the convention and uh, what Susan King Schroeder was wearing uh, when she was there. And this is just to divert our attention from the fact that he is crooked, he is rotten, and he is dirty, and he is nothing more or less he is the one who has been connected to michael schroeder for the last or excuse me to mike corona for the last nine years he's the one when all of this was going on with mike schroeder he was the one propping him up he was the one who was telling us how great mike corona was and if you sit there and tell me for one second that oh he didn't know what was really going on you're crazy Power is about information. The man has more information than all of us put together. He is, knows what goes on in this county. And so to sit back and to say, oh, he's just, he's just a nice guy. He writes well. He's, this blogging thing is fun. He's an okay guy. He's real charismatic. Yeah, I, I want to I, I meet this guy. He's a nice guy. Let's give him a break. Let's give him a chance. He's already had a chance, folks. He's run this county into the ground politically. He's going to continue to do so politically as long as we let him. And the way that we let him is when we uh, advance and vote for the people that he puts up in power. And that's the bottom line. And if we stay educated about who he is putting into power, people like Trung Nguyen, people like, oh, the list goes on and on. I'll put the list up one day. Dana Rohrbacher. As long as we put those people in power, it keeps him in power. And those people aren't necessarily doing the best job that they could be doing. There are other people out there who could do the job better. We have to keep our eyes and our minds open to other possibilities. And we need to keep working diligently to get rid of people like Michael Schroeder and Scott Baugh and Adam Probolsky. Those people have had their time. They've had their fun. It's time to move on. And that is why I am in many ways encouraged by this new sheriff. She seems like a straight shooter. She looks you in the eye. She looks like she is not in this for the glory or the fame like that other jerk off, the disgraced former sheriff, Mike Corona. She's in it for the right reasons. And that, as they say, is that.
It's been a great show today. Again, I want to thank the sheriff for coming on, Sandra Hutchins. I'll have the show up for you. Theocshow.net is the website, www.theocshow.net. I'll have it podcast for you later on tonight so you can listen to your heart's content. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Folks, enjoy your lattes. Enjoy your SUVs. They both are very expensive, but they taste and sound so darn good. I will see you all next week. It has been a pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you.